0: Is this finally the moment when we'll pass gun safety legislation? We'll find out, maybe even this week, and we'll discuss now on Where is the Love? This is Where's the Love. I'm Michael Ware. I'm Melissa Ware. Melissa, we're uh, we're back for another week. It's, it's good to be with you. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. It's going okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, we're uh, plowing forward, Yeah, moving ahead, and, uh, gosh, we heard from, uh, well, well first, uh, I, I think I just want to kick off by thanking our listeners for the response they've given to The Morning Five. It's been such a pleasure to record that. For you, we had our first full week of The Morning Five, and again, these are quick five-minute episodes. Um, Monday through Thursday, they they usually are up by 8.30 a.m. Eastern, and, and it's just a time for prayer and, and looking ahead to the sort of top news items of of the day and we've just heard the most wonderful things uh, already folks listening to it with their kids on the car uh, on the drive to school um and so we're 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 really grateful for that uh i believe melissa we're going to merge uh the morning five into the same feed as where's love uh is that right yeah and so and so folks will be able to If you're subscribing to Where's the Love, uh, you'll 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 get the Morning Five uh, into your podcast stream. As always, uh, you can subscribe at ReclaimingHope.substack.com. Get uh, both podcasts. Where's the Love, the Morning Five, and get our emails throughout the week uh, with analysis, with uh, uh, news roundups, faith in the news, and top five and. Top five is great this week, Melissa.
1: Yeah, I, I cried while making top five. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a it's a weepy top five, but a good cry, top five. I'm just
1: crying all the time with regards to this newsletter and podcast, but such as the Times.
0: Yes, yes it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we have a bit of a... Uh, we have a more brief podcast for you yes. uh, than the last few have been. Uh and the main thing we want to discuss is the future of gun safety legislation. Yep. Uh, we heard from President Biden this week, something of a surprise address. I mean, when we started the week, it wasn't it wasn't like a we went into this week asking when is President Biden going to speak to the mm-hmm. nation. Uh, but but he did speak to the nation. We'll talk about that. And we'll talk about the House uh, legislation that is expected to be voted on this Thursday, and then the Senate process, which is ongoing. Um, I guess just to like bring us up to this point, right? Just just an overview. The the story of federal gun safety legislation has been one of, especially over the last. Uh, decade, really two decades. So, the we had an assault weapons ban during the Clinton years. That, due to legislative wrangling, instead of it being made permanent, it was set to uh, to sunset after 10 years, which meant that Congress would have to actively vote to reinstate it. Congress failed to do that and so the assault weapons ban expired during the Bush years and we really haven't had significant federal legislation on guns since then the 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 lack of action has been particularly deafening since Sandy Hook. And Sandy Hook is is kind of a similar moment. In the sense that th- there was this expectation that well, surely Congress is going to act now, and there were very emotional presidential speeches. There was some congressional activity uh, in, in terms of in terms of legislation being put forward. In the end. Nothing passed. And now, really a decade later, we're in a similar place. We have a president speaking to the nation. We have a rash of, of mass shootings, leaving people dead, including elementary students. And we have congressional talk, particularly on the Democratic side, though. Some of it is bipartisan. It says that something has to be done. That that surely there has to be some kind of federal response. And so, the House, which doesn't operate with the same restrictions in the Senate in terms of the minority having, uh, having you know power, ability to hold up legislation, uh, the House is going to vote this Thursday, on on a comprehensive, I guess, gun safety legislation. The Senate process is ongoing, is expected to intensify this week. And President Biden speaks into the midst of that. And so, Melissa, maybe let's start there and then we'll talk about the prospects of these these legislative efforts. But Melissa, what did President Biden have to say to the nation uh, this week?
1: So I'll include a link to the full transcript of of President Biden's speech in the episode notes, but I'm going to start around 60% of the way through the speech, right to where he describes what he thinks Congress will do. Now, the entire time before this, he's described what he, he would like to do, but then he puts it on Congress. He says, the question now is, what will Congress do? The House of Representatives already passed key measures we need expanding background checks to cover nearly all gun sales including at gun shows and online sales getting rid of a loophole that allows a gun sale to go through after three business days even if the background check has not been completed and the house is planning even more action next week safe storage requirements the banning of high capacity magazines raising the age to buy an assault weapon to 21 federal red flag law codifying my ban on ghost guns that don't have serial numbers and can't be traced and tougher laws to prevent gun trafficking and straw purchases. This time we have to take the time to do something, and this time is time for the Senate to do something. But as we know, in order to get anything done in the Senate, we need a minimum of 10 Republican senators. I support the bipartisan efforts that include a small group of Democrats and Republican senators trying to find a way. But my God, the fact that the majority of Senate Republicans don't want any of these proposals even to be debated or come up for a vote, I find unconscionable we can't fail the american people again since uvalde just over a week ago there have been 20 other mass shootings in america each with four or more people killed or injured including yesterday at a hospital in tulsa oklahoma a shooter deliberately targeted a surgeon using an assault weapon he bought just a few hours before his rampage that left a surgeon another doctor a receptionist and a patient dead and many more injured that doesn't count the carnage we see every single day that doesn't even make the headlines I've been in this fight for a long time. I know how hard it is, but I'll never give up. And if Congress fails, I believe this time a majority of the American people won't give up either. I believe the majority of you will act to turn your outrage into making this issue central to your vote. Enough, enough, enough. And I'll end the quote there. So, Michael, so I read this out loud. Um, We know that the House is voting this week, but we know that something can happen there. But, its I mean, it's the Senate and this bipartisan group that he names, the fact that he needs... We all need 10 Republican senators um, to be voting in favor of, you know, what the legislation actually looks like. What are your thoughts towards this? I know that some people were saying, you know, why is the president actually putting out proposals that he knows won't pass? Um, What's the use of that?
0: What are your thoughts? Well, so my my approach to this is... I assume, though I'm open to further reporting that this is not true, but I assume that the speech was strategic and strategically oriented towards getting something done, getting something passed. Uh, I will say, I, you know, so I, I could. Re- I could read the speech and see ways in which it could be helpful. So, for instance, I, and I shared this over Twitter, you know, it, it could be helpful. And, and I kind of assume that there's intel that the president is operating on, a sort of a strategy that the president is operating on that suggests that, you know, if he speaks out and names policies uh, that he would like to see, some of which he knows will never get done, it gives Republicans the ability to sign on to bipartisan gun safety legislation while rejecting some of President Biden's supporters so that they could tell their their base, we, you know, we stood up to President Biden, we didn't give him everything he wanted, you know, we did this on our terms. So that's kind of how I look at the speech and say, you know, this makes sense. And I'm able to do that with most of the speech. At, well, actually, I'm able to do it with, with all of the speech. What I don't like and what concerns me a bit is that last paragraph you read, Melissa, which mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, the turn to midterm elections and 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 midterm politics i i i will say i've just been like a little uncomfortable with and i you know the house legislation you know is is titled protecting our kids act um you know i i'm i'm a If that's going to be your messaging strategy on legislation, I don't know. I think I – well, let me finish what I was going to say. If that's going to be your strategy on legislation, um, then leave the electoral politics out of it. I'm a little uncomfortable with literally in the preceding paragraph talking about all of these people who are now dead and then the very next paragraph saying – you know, it, if you don't do this, then the majority of Americans will uh, will punish you in, in midterm elections. It's just like
1: Do you want to know what I want to liken it to right now? What, what you're please. what you're what you're feeling towards this? Um, remember in our episode on Ukraine when the Ukraine war first broke out. And I had a really, really big issue with the image of children saluting the Ukrainian soldiers yes, going yes, by. Yes, 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 yes. It's the same thing. It's where yes. do we draw the line on using children in order to get some, in order to motivate people to do something?
0: Right. Yeah. Um, so, 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 yeah. No, I completely. And I am not trying to
1: actually compare the two. What no, I'm saying is the it, it's the, the, the same kind of yeah. The same kind of there's a similar feeling there. Where for war it might be one thing for for this issue it might be another in terms of where the lines are drawn. So I'm not trying to make an apples to oranges comparison here. I'm just trying to make a comparison on the the broader thirty thousand foot question of where's the line when using minors children as a tool.
0: Yeah. So so I could go back and I could argue against myself on the on the propriety of it. I think I do I do feel pretty. Safe saying strategically, that that sort of line probably doesn't help win Republican votes. But with the rest of the speech, you gotta think like there were there were some strategic stuff there. I haven't seen. I mentioned on Twitter that I'd be keeping my eyes open for reporting from uh, from the Senate to see if there were Democratic senators like Chris Murphy or staff that we're not happy with Biden's speech and i haven't seen anything yeah, like that, that so far so that, that does it does kind of continue you would think if president biden did the speech in a way that was completely uncoordinated with the process chris murphy has going in the senate that 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 he might even without attaching his name to it sort of sort of leak that out but that that hasn't happened so i think i'm content to say you know, President Biden's been around legislative politics for a long time. The speech was sort of announced. Again, it was it was a surprise. I was not expecting to hear from President Biden. So when I heard the speech was announced, I thought, okay, they must see a, a valuable intervention that could be yeah. made to help spur along the legislative process. I will say the, the alternative, Melissa, is we keep reading about in a number of different areas— Biden's staff, some of whom worked in the Obama administration, some of whom didn't, making decisions that are based on what they took away from the Obama administration. And one of the things that it seems many of these folks took away from the Obama administration was that if you let Congress sort of do its thing without sort of making clear what you want, then when Congress fails and when Republicans sort of um uh are able to when Republicans sort of inevitably quote unquote uh inevitably sh- sort of don't allow things to move forward then uh you know you look weak or uh it, it, it's it's very hard to sort of tell a coherent story or narrative to the American people I, I hope this wasn't that I hope this wasn't I hope Biden's speech wasn't giving up on the legislative process and deciding that they need to, needed to speak out regardless of what it did to the legislative process because I this is where I do agree with Biden it's where I agree with Senator Chris Murphy we said on the show last week. God help us, if Congress can't have a response, really any response. Someone replied to me on Twitter and said something like, you know, if they if they can't get uh, if they can't get a sweeping bill done, you know, it's a it's a loss. And I'm paraphrasing what the person said, but but my response was basically, no, I actually think if Congress can pass anything that is substantive related to gun safety uh then it's a win i I'm with I'm with Chris Murphy on this one and he's continued to impress me since our last episode. I just think he's been wonderful. I appreciate the work he's doing. I appreciate the fact that when he speaks it's it's very strategic. it's aimed at keeping the process on the right track and he's not speaking all the time <laughs> like it like this it truly seems to be a guy who's in the weeds and only comes up for air just to try and help the process move along publicly. Uh, so I, I really appreciate that. And I do hope we see legislation uh, uh, come come out of this. I hope it's bipartisan. I think the country would benefit from that. Uh, but Melissa, why, why don't we talk about sort of what's on the table uh, for the legislation or do you have anything else you wanna say about about Biden's speech?
1: Oh, I feel like I have a bunch of thoughts, but... We,
0: Please, no, no, no. We want to hear them. The people want to know.
1: Okay. Well, I, I guess one of the only bones that I had to pick, because I did hear parts of the speech was we were putting down our children to bed. And so I only heard parts. And so I, you know, went back and read the transcript. I have a little bit of a bone to pick because right before um, President Biden goes into, you know, that that's what I'll do. Here's what I think Congress should do. You know, he's going through what should happen. And he talks about... Um, his State of the Union address and his unity agenda. So his State of the Union was about five and a half months ago, almost six months ago. And he talks about, for example, like taking care of the mental health crisis in this country, which we know is also a talking point on the Republican side as well as the Democratic side. Um, And he says, you know, we must provide more school counselors, more school nurses, more mental health services for students and teachers, especially because the pandemic has, you know, exacerbated the issue. And, And he says even before the pandemic the mental health of young people has been tanking in this country so you know it's not just a gunish it's not just a gun violence thing it's a whole of society thing that's been going on for years and i'm kind of like well it's been around six months since the pandemic why aren't you updating us right now with a you know i have put school counselors and i have put more school nurses in i have put down more mental health services it's been six months since this speech like at least on this part which it wasn't actually tied to gun safety or gun violence why have we not seen any movement? I wish that he could have come to the table and said, "At least on mental health, we're doing this." Because it seems like mental health is also being used as like a straw man by other um, uh, forces that are, that are that are in this debate. You know what I mean? Yes.
0: Well, so as you, <laughs> you know? re- as you'll remember, the unity, the quote unquote unity agenda, was brought was raised in the state of the union almost as like a pivot point from him naming a bunch of controversial sort of base issues. Mm -hmm. And then, and then it was sort of like, frankly, I didn't take it that seriously when I heard it, Mm -hmm. I had been critiquing the Biden administration, you know, his, his campaign was about unity his uh his inaugural was about unity and yet there didn't seem to be a plan to actually advance that and then there was like this little like throwaway section to me it read as a throwaway and to your point it sure seems like it wasn't the at the very center of you know, the White House is thinking, you know, since the State of the Union. And yes. so, yeah, no, I would've, I would've, yeah, would've been, it would've been, would've been,
1: uh, Yeah, and, and just,
0: especially right with, uh, and we, that we covered this, um, I covered this on uh, the morning five for Thursday, which is the Department of Education just put out these new stats that show a 70% yeah. this is, increase. This is why I mentioned it, because yes. the Department of
1: Education is where you would Put the funding and say, hey, make sure these districts are hiring more. I want to see the numbers go up. Right. Um, Mental health services or nurses, whatever, school counselors, pick one. Yeah. Put the money towards it and ask for results.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, right. And let's. I know that that that
1: that makes policy sound like it's the simplest thing on the planet, which it's not. But when it actually comes to this sort of thing where it's about funding and access to that funding and watching it get spent, which I know that like pandemic funding hasn't been spent, like. you know getting money out to individual schools is difficult like trust me i'm not trying to say that education policy isn't no but he said it was part of the agenda so okay let's one of those, see it yeah it's one, of those, it's one of those things that rhetorically happens in politics all the time no matter what the administration is it's not particular to this administration so don't hear me wrong here it's a rhetorical tool where you will mention things like this and just hope that the average american person won't sit there putting two to two together saying wait this is from the State of the Union that was six months ago. Why haven't you actually moved on this yet? What have been the results of that? And for me, as somebody who watches it more, I, I just ex- you know I'd be embarrassed if I were the speechwriter putting that in. But you know they know that they can because they th- they know that there there's not that much. Um, a lot of times there's not as much accountability, especially when it comes to rhetorical flourishes. And at a time when we're in a when we're in a gun violence crisis, and we have been for decades, honestly, and. Um, Children have died. Yeah, and yeah. people have died in multiple, you know, twenty mass shootings.
0: Yeah, in the yeah. past few weeks. Um. Yeah. No. I. I. am so glad you raised that, Melissa. I. I think it's. I think it's right. Um. Well, let's. Let's look at. Uh, the. The legislation that's moving in the House is called the Protecting Our Kids Act. It's expected to be voted on this Thursday, though. Of course, that can change. It often does. Um, But we're expecting a vote on Thursday. The wide ranging bill would raise the lawful age to purchase a semi-automatic centerfire rifle from 18 to 21 years old. Establish new federal offenses for gun trafficking and for selling large capacity magazines and allow local governments to compensate individuals who surrender such magazines through a buyback program. It would also establish a new tax credit for the sale of safe storage devices and a criminal penalty for breaking new requirements on the storage of firearms on residential premises. And so it can be expected, although I'd say, you know, the Democrats majority is, is relatively slim. Uh, but I would expect sort of the because of recent events, I would expect the Democratic Caucus to generally hold together. They may lose a few votes, but I expect them to be able to pass this legislation. Um, But of course, it would need to pass the Senate. The Senate is uh, not going to pass legislation that includes all of these pieces. What we do know, what we learned this week, is that Senator Murphy, Senator Blumenthal uh, have Convened bipartisan group of uh, a bipartisan group of senators that have broken off into smaller working groups to tackle various pieces of the framework for this bipartisan Senate legislation. One working group, and this is according to NBC News, one working group is looking at funding for mental health services and boosting school security. That's generally where Republicans have focused their sort of their their rhetoric and attention. Another small group is focused on expanding background checks. And a third is looking at incentives for states to pass uh, red flag laws, which we've talked about before on the show. Uh, But just as a reminder, those red flag laws allow authorities to confiscate firearms from people deemed to be threats to themselves or to others. Uh, Senate negotiators, this is from the NBC News report, Senate negotiators are not not leaving out anything that they think could get done. The group is being reasonable and focusing on what can both pass and save lives, said a source involved with the negotiations. Um, You know, Melissa, I, I read... What the working group is, what these three smaller working groups are working on, and think you know, if they can come up with something that can get sixty votes in the Senate in each of these three areas, it won't be everything. It won't be everything I want. I mean, frankly, I'm with President Biden. I want an assault weapons ban. We we had it for ten years. No one was shackled. You know, no one was saying that freedom had been eviscerated. It turns out. Uh, that you don't need uh, an AR-15 to be free. Uh, it, it, isn't that something? Uh, but I look at the Senate framework and, and I say, you know, this is something that I could, I'd could, i be excited about that would be a, a substantive response. And the question is, you know, could, could these working groups, uh, can these working groups come to an agreement? And then is that framework something that can attract Ten Republican votes without losing votes on the Democratic side, because there are a few Democrats who say this isn't enough. I'm not going to vote for something uh, that that allows uh, that allows us to say that we did something when when we haven't done enough. You know that kind of mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, Melissa, w- w- what do you think about either the Senate process or, or what you heard? You know uh, of what the what the House is potentially going to vote on this week.
1: I don't know. The assault weapon ban just really rubs at me the wrong way. The Th- that it can't happen. That yeah, it right. can't happen. Yeah, yeah. That I have. I'm going to ask the question, which is like a, a, it's not a helpful question to ask because we just really we have no idea. But like, when will we ever get to a point with our polarization where we can pass one again? Right. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous to me. Um. Uh. But to the to anybody who might be considering um not voting because every you know this doesn't add up to something good enough. In some ways I am glad that the act is called protecting your it would be hopefully I don't know, obviously right. it'll have, it have to be written and right, perfect. but protecting your kids, I'd be throwing that back right back in their face, saying we have to do at least something and if and again, if that is what Congress can pass, we can, you know, give her a little golf clap, you know, barely a clap, and then, you know, the president, I'd be looking to him and looking to further leadership, like, what are we gonna do next then? Yeah. How are we gonna get to a point where we can be doing something more something even more substantive and again like these background checks red flag laws the age issue um they are substantive so i don't i feel like yeah nobody should nobody should be lying to you telling you that they're not substantive right
0: yeah i mean i i I mean so i get the golf clap thing because we you know we want so much more but given the decade plus of silence Uh, I'll stand on my, if, 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 if the the Senate passes substantive gun safety legislation, uh, I don't know, what, what do I, should I, should I run around the neighborhood and squawk like a chicken? Like what, like I'll, I'll do, I'll do something that will express my utmost thanks and appreciation that our political process could result in something getting done uh, on this issue. I hope it does. I was glad to hear in President Biden's speech his him express support for the Senate process. I I, I do want to like say I I totally get the reticence to not sort of put all my bags all my eggs in the in the uh, in the Senate basket. I think that's right. And, And again, my hope with Biden's speech is that him sort of not doing that not saying you know I'm really going to get invested in the Senate process like my hopes ride there actually gives Republicans space to say yeah this this can be our our sort of legislation and 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 this isn't sort of a a, a Biden agenda kind of thing and hopefully the politics the politics works works out there
1: And I just have one last thing to say. I think part of the root of all this, and I know that I've mentioned this on one of the earlier episodes of Where is the Love, is campaign finance reform. I think the root of a lot of our issues comes down to that. Exactly how much special interest can speak into processes and how that has exacerbated our polarization and it has exacerbated the difficulty of this particular legislation. Um, Possibly in the future we should have an episode just on that.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. Right. Here, here, here's every Republican is worried that they'll face a primary from someone who's able to run an ad saying that they weakened the Second Amendment or that they made it harder to protect your family by accessing a firearm. Because they know the ad won't say, my opponent supported Background check legislation that was supported, that's supported by 80 plus percent of the American people. The ad will just say my opponent launched an attack on the Second Amendment. Uh, and, and and that could be what costs some of these folks uh, their seats. Uh, of, of course, right? Uh, and this isn't anything to say flippantly, right? I think sometimes people say say it so... You know, don't don't these folks you know um, care about doing right more than they care about you know keeping their their seats? Well, that's a fair thing to say, right? Uh, um, if you don't have your seat, you can't you can't do anything right. And so, so the, these are complicated decisions. I would say this is a moment. This is an issue um, that it's worth taking taking a risk. It's it's worth taking a sacrifice. It's worth taking a difficult vote. And we we will talk about the courageous Republicans who are willing to do that if legislation passes on every episode of Where is the Love? <laughs> okay, that, is that, the, that okay, is that... Instead a, of running
1: around our block so i like a chicken, is that our reward?
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, now, that now that I think about it... I like it. how
1: you've roped me into this celebration yeah. by offering up Where is the Love? Now, well,
0: I'll talk about the Courageous Republicans. Melissa will golf clap uh, in the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, I'm interested to see how this, how this week... How this week unfolds. Yeah, no kidding. It was interesting. Chris Murphy is quoted in a CNN story referring to the House process. He says, "What he says, it's going to be very emotional, uh, but we're going to have to have our own process." And I think that suggests to me Murphy knows that the way things move in the House could draw Republicans in or or push them push them out. Yep. And look, folks. If you're tired about if you're tired of like worrying about emotionally sort of massaging, I get it. Totally, totally get it. <laughs> the fact of the matter is we have a 50-50 Senate and we have a House that actually A Democrats don't control by that many votes, and B in six months it's looking unlikely that they'll control it even then and so all i'm saying is we have to keep our eyes on the prize we have to worry about making progress how and where we can and right now we make progress by doing what we can to get the votes in the senate that we need to to make progress on these issues and so that's that's what i'm hoping for i think it's going to be an interesting week but before we close you know it could be, this is just coming to mind. Yeah. It could be that th- uh, the gun safety legislation is able to work through relatively quietly and without drawing too much partisan heat. Because on January 9th, uh, the the first public hearings of the House committee investigating the events of January 6th begin. It'll be a prime time hearing for the first time. We'll see the committee sort of work in public. They have some high profile uh, uh, folks testifying. Uh, And so that's going to be the other big sort of news generator of the week. That is not likely. I mean, my hope for it is that it will convey to the American people the gravity of what happened on January 6th. And I think it says something sick about our politics and toxic about our politics, uh, that uh, there are some folks who roll their eyes when you you say the gravity of what happened on January 6th. But uh, my my hope, and by the way, it was Senator Mitch McConnell's hope when he first called for a committee uh, after the events of January 6th, that it would be a committee uh, Uh, and a public process that would put into the public record the gravity of what happened on January 6th. And so that's what I'm hoping comes across during these hearings. I'm hoping that they're run responsibly. I'm hoping that they're run in a way that um, can reach the broadest sort of swath of the American public, not to make sort of partisan Recriminations, but just to say this cannot happen again, and we can't support, we can't support politicians uh, who uh, think that the the peaceful transfer of power is only for when they win. And so we'll be watching that. But but it, it did just occur to me, Melissa, that actually the politics of of that taking place may you know if that wasn't taking place all the partisan energy would be on these gun talks but actually the the the, the January 6 hearings are going to be such a lightning rod that it actually may give senders the space to work this out outside of the intense glare of media and sort of partisan pressure and then hopefully come out with with a framework that and, and legislation that that could receive the votes that that it needs
1: hmm. interesting
0: We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right, folks. Uh, this has been Where's the Love? We're so grateful uh, that, that you listen. Uh, so grateful for your uh, comments, for your rating us on iTunes, for your sharing this podcast with those that you think uh, might appreciate it, and for your uh, joining us as subscribers to support this work at reclaiminghope.substack.com. We'll be back with you next week for more of Where Is the Love.
1: Bye.